0: Good morning, Crosspoint, and welcome to today's online service. In case you have forgotten, today is Sunday, and it's April 19th, and we are super glad that you're joining us today. Enjoy the service.
1: Hello, Crosspoint. This is us, and I am Amelia McKenzie, and have been a member here at Crosspoint for about five years, we moved to Charlotte in 2015. I live with Jennifer and Steve and the family. They are very good to me and it's a wonderful place to live. <laughs> and I have spent my life 30 years as a pastor's wife and uh, in secular employment as a licensed optician for several years. I have four children, 12 grandchildren, and three great-grandchildren. So that means I am in the season of life uh, that really we don't have a title for. We don't wanna say it's the final season of life, even though it really is or the last season because we don't know how long our seasons are. I've lived a long time, let's put it that way. My advice to all of you who are young and able is the only thing that matters in life is living and knowing Jesus. Living for him and sharing him and growing to know him better, because soon I'm going to meet him face to face. And I want to be ready for that. And I want you to be ready for that. So we will all journey on together. This is us.
0: Hi, I'm gonna be reading from Psalm 57 today from the New Living Translation. Have mercy on me, O God, have mercy. I look to you for protection. I will hide beneath the shadow of your wings until the danger passes by. I cry out to God most high, to God who will fulfill his purpose for me. He will send help from heaven to rescue me, disgracing those who hound me. My God will send forth his unfailing love and faithfulness. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. My heart is confident in you, O God. My heart is confident. No wonder I can sing your praises. Wake up, my heart. Wake up, my, O lyre and harp. I will awake the dawn with my song. I will thank you, Lord, among all the people. I will sing your praises among the nations. For your unfailing love is as high as the heavens, your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth.
2: is the time in our service where we continue worship through our tithes and offerings. And as we think about our giving this morning, we understand that giving is not so much about the money as it is about our hearts. And so with that in mind, we want to invite you this morning. A lot of us, or hopefully all of us are getting a stimulus check from the government and let us encourage you to give tithes and offerings on that. Uh, we have several ways that we are trying to bless the community through this time. We're going to be giving out blessing bags here in a few weeks, Uh, but we're also partnering, continuing to partner with the Great Commission Fund and continuing to care for our international workers. In fact, Great Commission Sunday is coming up very soon. And also we're partnering with our local food bank, Hope Street, and let us encourage you to also give towards that. Um, and continue to trust in the Lord's faithfulness during this time as we give out of the little we have he blesses us greatly um, a, a trusting heart is a full heart let me pray for us Heavenly Father thank you that you have given us so much and even at times where it feels like things are lean you continue to care for us as we trust in you and so Lord we pray that we would trust in you fully And we would let go of the things that we have and trust you completely for our provision. We bless your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Remember, there's several ways to give. You can give online uh, through our website. You can give through the Church Center app. And uh, you can give via text. Um, And you can give on Facebook. So uh, pick a way to give. Continue to be generous and we bless you.
3: Good morning, Crosspoint. I'm so excited to be here giving you guys the announcements today. I want to say for our first announcement, I want to remind everyone that we still are doing the Hope Communities uh, via Zoom on Thursdays at 6 PM and on Fridays at 7 PM. So contact contact us if you need the meeting ID or if you're having trouble connecting so that we can connect with you on those days for our Hope Communities. For our second announcement, just want to remind everyone, um, we're still focusing on neighbor engagement. Yesterday, you should have received an email, um, which would have been the first resource to help you continue to love your neighbors well in April and May. This week, we'll be dropping off, dropping off or mailing part two. So be on the lookout for that and more information to come next week. Next Sunday, I want to remind everyone that we will be practicing the Lord's Table. Um, So please remember to purchase your own grape juice and or bread. Um, Substitutes can be tart juice like cranberry or wine um, and crackers for the bread. That will all work. So we want to make sure that we can all take communion together, even though we can't be together. Um, Please make an effort to stay connected and reach out to others in the church during the week. We will hopefully be back together in June. Um, Pastor Drew recommends that if you're able to start making short physical distancing visits, particularly in the good weather, um, you can and you can stay outside so that you guys can keep safe distance from each other. Um, and We want to still make sure that we continue to follow the state guidelines. Lastly, I want to remind everyone to check out our new website, ooh it's crosspointclt.org. Um, particularly, we want you to focus on the online church interface on the homepage, um, the member portals, and polls under the resource tabs. The member portal contains the online church directory, um, prayer time prompts, and the prayer wall. The church calendar is coming soon. For all of, all other information and weekly opportunities, don't forget to check out the website and sign up for the weekly e And if you haven't already gotten it, we would love to get your emails. Um, I miss you guys so much. And
1: um, I hope you guys...
2: Good morning. This is the time in our service where we come and sit at the feet of Jesus and we open our ears and our eyes and our hearts to him. And we allow him to speak to us. And uh, I'm going to say a lot of things. But more importantly, you want to hear from him. And allow the words that he's speaking to you to change your lives. So as we've been in the midst of this series called A Meal with Jesus, we've been talking about what it's like to sit down and have a meal with our Savior. And last week was Easter. Last week, we remembered why Jesus came and lived on this earth, why he died, why he rose again. And today, as we continue, we're going to kind of finish out that portion of the story. And next week, we're going to talk about what it looks like to have a meal with Jesus as a church community, as Jesus is ascended. But today, we're going to finish out chapter 24 of Luke. We've been doing this series, as I said, A Meal with Jesus, and as we, uh, as we finish out this series, as we continue with this series, we are looking at Luke 24, verses 36 to 53, enacting promise. Let me just remind us that in Luke, Jesus is often called the Son of Man, there's four places in the gospel where it tells us that the Son of Man came for some reason. Three of them talk to us about purpose. Jesus came to, not, to serve, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. The Son of Man came from heaven. This talks to us about his purpose. But in Luke 7, 34 and 35, it talks to us about Jesus's method. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. And as we talk about this this morning and talk about the reality of Jesus using this method of eating and drinking, that he's enacting promise, we want to remember that as we have fellowship with other people, maybe it's just our family during this time, but we are eating and drinking with our family. Maybe there's some close friends that you've decided to be quarantine buddies with and you're eating and drinking with them. But we want to continue to practice what Jesus practiced because this is an important part of our lives, eating. A lot of times we think of eating as just nourishment, but eating is so much more than nourishment. And if you eat most of your meals by yourself, I invite you this Sunday to consider that it might be time to shift that practice, to realize there's more to putting food in your mouth than just gaining nourishment. Eating has always been a time of coming together with other people. In fact, the word companionship means bread together. Now, you've heard me say that every week, but I hope that it's sinking in. As we break bread, we do it together. And it makes us companions. It has that potential. Every week we've been talking a little bit about meals in the ancient world. And this morning I'm going to share just a little more with you that's relevant to our sermon this morning, our message this morning. In the ancient Greek and Roman world, they had, uh, that the book of Luke was written to and written in, they had typically three meals a day, just like us. They had a morning meal. They got up and they had breakfast at dawn. Uh, A lot of us don't eat at dawn, but some people do. Um, And then at lunch, in the middle, they had that in the middle of the day, and they called that meal Aristos, which really means the best, literally means the best meal. A lot of times we think of lunch as the most important meal of the day. And even for some of them, it was their first meal of the day. For whatever reason, they didn't eat breakfast. I know a lot of people that aren't breakfast eaters but the middle of the day uh, was the best meal. Nowadays we say breakfast is the most important meal of the day, and I think that's sound uh, thinking, but this was the best meal for them. And then they would have supper at nightfall. Sometimes they would substitute that supper meal for a mid-afternoon meal. And one of the reasons they did this is because a lot of times, or, or on occasion at nights, they would share a common meal with other people Um, And this common meal was called a symposium. Now, this meal, the symposium, um, was just for men. Now, don't get offended at that. This was the culture they were living in. But that meal was just for men. And part of the reason for that was, a symposium was a festive dinner followed by drink and intellectual conversation. Now, most women... Almost all women back then, 2,000 some years ago, uh, were not educated. They wouldn't have been able to carry on an intellectual conversation. Uh, they may have picked up a few things as they heard their husbands talk about business or talk or even as they served, but these meals were for men. Keep that in mind and we'll come back to that later. But this festival dinner was followed by drinking, an intellectual conversation, and they would discuss deep matters deep things, philosophical things, um, religious things, government things. They'd have deep conversations about this. And this meal, in a lot of ways, in the Greek world, was similar to the Jewish meal of Passover. Um, Because, not just Jewish meal of Passover, but Jews, a lot of times, they had really deep conversations around their meals. but what's similar between the Passover and the, the Greek symposium is during the meal, they would have the bread, and they would share the bread. And then afterwards, they would drink a shared cup um, while they were talking. Um, and this is just give you an idea of some, of some of the things about the ancient world that are relevant to this morning's message. Let's go ahead and look into the scriptures, and we're going to start with Luke and uh, Luke 24, and I'm going to read, and then we'll talk some more about it. Luke 24, starting at verse 36. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do you doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. It is I, myself, Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the Law of Moses, the Prophets, and the Psalms. Jesus came to them. And this story falls directly up against the last story uh, that we talked about last week, the road to Emmaus, the couple that came back from Emmaus to let the disciples in Jerusalem know Jesus had risen. And even as they're telling them that Jesus had risen, Jesus shows up in person. Incarnate in the flesh. This is the second time in just a couple of hours that Jesus is once again eating a meal. He had a new body. As he tells us in these verses, he was not a ghost. But this new body apparently had the ability to bend the laws of earthly physics and he could still eat. He was able to pass through walls, show up in a room, but he still was able to eat. And he tells them he had flesh, and bones. He had muscles and bones and all the parts of the body that went with that. If he was only a spirit, he wouldn't be able to eat. He wants us to see that he's eating, that part of the resurrection is not a negation of creation. In fact, it's a renewal and a fulfillment of that creation. The resurrection in Jesus is the promise and beginning of the renewal of all things. And the future is a physical future on a renewed earth. Isaiah 65 shares this with us. Start at verse 17 if you want to see what I'm talking about. And he tells us that heaven is more than just singing hymns. It's more than just standing around the throne and praising with the angels. Although I'm sure we're going to do some of that. No, it's a real, it's a full life. It's the life that we've been promised. It's a future with broiled fish, and hopefully many other things. My grandfather always said his first meal in heaven would be liver and onions. I don't know what his fascination was with liver and onions, but that's what he was waiting for. He was looking forward to it. He loved liver and onions. And I think many things we enjoy eating will be there for us, without the calories. We will enjoy not just eating food, but cooking food. And having wine among other things from Isaiah 25 6 it says on this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food a feast of well-aged wine of rich food full of marrow of aged wine well refined as we think about meals we think about the reality and we talk about creation we think about the reality of Genesis 3 Sin instantly affects the body. And as soon as the first man and the first woman eat the forbidden fruit, they feel shame. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Soon it would be felt in the pains of childbirth and the sweat and toil. This is what happened because they lacked trust in God. They stopped trusting him. As they ate the forbidden fruit. They were filled with shame. They were promised that because they couldn't trust God, that they were going to have to leave His presence, and outside of God's presence, they were going to have to toil. They would have pain and childbirth. But salvation too is experienced in the body, not just sin but salvation. Jesus is the firstborn from among the dead, the first fruits of a great harvest, and He is embodied. He eats. As we just talked about if you read the end of John the book of John we see that he also cooks and he tells the disciples to come and have breakfast this isn't the only time Jesus eats he eats several times during the 40 days he remains on earth after the resurrection let's continue in our passage in Luke 24 it tells us then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures he told them this is what is written The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Tells us, first of all, in this section of the passage, he opened their minds. If they were going to understand the scriptures and what was written about him, just like he did with those on the road to Emmaus, he opened their eyes, he opened their minds. This meal that he's having with them is very similar to the idea of the symposium we just talked about. But here's the difference. At this meal, there are women in the room. They're not there to perform, they're not there to dance, they're not there uh, as ornaments. They're there... sit at the feet of Jesus and be a part of this conversation this pattern of the three stories we saw in Luke 24 with the resurrection where the women were present and then uh, the meal at Emmaus and now here in the upper room again we see this pattern the people are bewildered they're disappointed they're fearful they're unsure why Jesus died Jesus shows up, and they are rebuked. He says, now wait a second. I told you about this. Why did you not believe? And then Jesus teaches them Christ's words. He reminds them of what he said. He teaches them the scriptures. Jesus reveals to them the fulfillment of the promises of God in the Jewish scriptures, what we call the Old Testament or the First Testament. They are told that the message is, is that the Christ must suffer and die, but that he will be resurrected so that they can repent, they can receive forgiveness, and they can be reconciled to God. The result of this is that they go and tell others, right? In all three stories, this is the case. The women at the grave, they go and tell the disciples. The, the couple on the road to Emmaus, they go back to Jerusalem and tell the disciples. And as you read into Acts, which is the continuation of Luke, you see that these disciples also go and tell others. In fact, we can't receive the good news about Jesus. We haven't received it if we don't go and tell others. This is the sign of the resurrection at work in our lives. They understand what the Bible teaches about the cross, and they want to tell others. Here in Luke 24 is the Word incarnate, freshly risen from the grave. Surely, he will simply speak and the world will listen. And this is what Jesus does. He gives us a simple message. We are the ones that overcomplicate it. We are the ones that think we need uh, a doctorate in order to share the good news. But the reality is, so often, it's that we haven't understood the good news. Now, now, I know you might feel a little offended by that statement, but how much have you allowed the good news of Jesus to really change your whole life? A simple message that changes everything from birth to grave, everything from the sun up to the sun down. I will honestly admit that even I at times lack an understanding of the good news. I live as though I haven't received it. But all of us have the opportunity to live with an understanding of the simple gospel. But it's not just a simple gospel, it's a whole gospel. It's a gospel that reaches to every part of our lives. Instead of Jesus just simply speaking and them listening, he goes beyond that, though. He chooses to conduct an understanding of who he is from the scriptures. If the risen Christ on that first Easter day made himself known through the word, then we have to suppose that we still need to understand him through the word. This is why he opened their minds to them. In fact, we can't understand the word without an open mind. And as we are sharing the gospel with others, we need to pray that their minds are opened also. Their hearts are opened. Their lives are opened. No amount of our human wisdom or philosophy or contemplation apart from the Holy Spirit will tell you the meaning of Jesus' resurrection. And this is found in the scriptures. It's found in the Old Testament, the Jewish scriptures, and it's found in the Christian scriptures, the New Testament. And we read them both. No one in the Easter story had a clue what was going on until Jesus explained it from the scriptures. Only the exposition of the word will make people's hearts burn. Now, to understand this, it's not just the written word that matters, but it is the Holy Spirit burning inside of you that enlightens you to understand what is being said. Christ is so key here in his word and how he's revealing himself to us. But there's more. There's more. And I love with Jesus, there's always more. But the promise is not just in the word. The promise is of the Holy Spirit. When John is telling of these events, Jesus literally breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. The life that we need in the air, the atmosphere, is filled with the presence of God, and He is the one in Genesis three that breathes into, uh, sorry, in Genesis two that breathes into Adam and gives him the breath of life. In the same way, Jesus breathes on the disciples in the upper room, and He says, "Receive the Holy Spirit." But here in Luke, He tells them to return to the city and wait for power from on high. These men and women, they had the Holy Spirit but they did not have the power yet of the Holy Spirit. Everyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ has the Holy Spirit, but we're all meant to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. It is clear from Scripture that anyone who believes on Christ is meant to go and share the good news of the gospel, the good news about Jesus. But we have to wait for the promised Holy Spirit. If the early disciples who spent three years with Jesus had to wait on the power of the Holy Spirit, how much more do we have to wait on the power of the Holy Spirit? So often we see this as a one-time event. But in Acts 4 and 6, it happens again. God pours out the Holy Spirit on these disciples. They waited again and again for the power of the Holy Spirit. It is a repeat event in our lives. In fact, we need to do this regularly, and even daily. We have the indwelling Holy Spirit always, but we need the power to refill us because we still live in the world. So much of our Christian walk is done in the body. We think about our physical bodies, we think about our physical needs, we think about eating and drinking and sleeping and showering and clothing and housing. So much of our life is focused on the body. It's focused on what we can see and touch. But Jesus and the scriptures repeatedly tell us to live from the inner life to the outer life. We have to start with what's going on on the inside. That is where the power source of our lives lives and dwells. It's only through the Holy Spirit that we can have this new life. During this time, during this time of COVID-19, we have this unique opportunity to wait in the city. Much of life is shut down except work and family and our inner lives. What would happen if we, like the early disciples, spent the time waiting for power from on high? How would that promise of the fullness of the Holy Spirit and his, the Holy Spirit work in our lives and our world to change the way we take the word of the gospel? How would it change us that we would live by faith instead of by works and that we would proclaim this good news to a world in pain and brokenness? But there's more. Luke doesn't waste any time here in this story. He skips, skips ahead even several weeks. But he continues the story because he wants to finish this out. It's important the way he's written it. And in verse, starting with verse 50, he says, When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. This is what we call the ascension. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. Now it's amazing, their best friend, their God, the God of the universe in Jesus, has just left them to return to heaven. They don't yet have the Holy Spirit, and yet they are filled with joy at what has happened. Earlier in verse 40, when Jesus appeared to them in the upper room, They were filled with joy and amazement because they didn't understand the truth that Jesus had been resurrected. But later here, when he ascends into heaven, they understand, and yet they are still filled with joy. In fact, they are even filled with great joy at the fact of what Jesus has done and what is about to happen. What has been promised to them. They return to the city and they worship him. They praise God in his temple. Let me ask you, is this your attitude when you think about the good news? Are you still living in that excitement and wonder and anticipation of what God can do in your life? Have you spent the time waiting for his promised Holy Spirit before you start your day? Before you start your week? Have you received the power from on high. Because of the promise of the Holy Spirit and the promise of His return, we can live in fullness of power and authority to enact that promise with others. Simply said, that means we take that promise and we share the promise of His Holy Spirit, of God that lives with us, of an everlasting life, and the promise that He's coming back to take us to heaven. See, joy is a mark of taking hold of the promises of God by faith in the Son. It makes me think of a verse in Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Oh. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. What this means is that through the knowledge of Jesus, we have been called to God because of his glory and his goodness. Because of what he did, he's given us promises of what's to come. And if we hold on to these promises, if we hold on to these promises, then we will see what's been promised to us. In fact, we will receive the divine nature, the life, the abundant life, the throne life of Jesus, even here on this earth, but much more so when Jesus returns. Sometimes we have missed or misunderstood, or just simply forgotten the simplicity of the good news. What Jesus came to do, who he is, what he has done for us to reconcile us to God. And yet he has also promised us the everlasting life, the life everlasting. It holds for us to live with God forever. Forever. Because we've forgotten this, we settle for a lesser life instead of the promised life. When we choose on a regular basis to share a meal with Jesus, he gives us these promises. He reminds us of these promises, that we might live them out with others. How intentional are we at passing these promises on to the next generation, to our neighbors and co-workers and those that serve us in the marketplace of our city. See, Jesus is still saying, look, I stand at the door and knock and and if you hear my voice and you open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. So What? The table is a place to tell the story of Jesus, passing on his promises. We can't effectively do the work of pointing people to Jesus until we allow him to fill us with power from on high. And our holding on to his promises by faith enables us to trust him, expressing it with joy no matter the circumstances. Our role is to take hold of the promises, live full of the Holy Spirit of Jesus, and tell of his promised fulfillment and his promised return. Let me leave you with some questions to ponder today. Take some time this afternoon and really think about these things. They'll be in the comments section, so you can go back and look at them. Now what? allow the holy spirit to examine your heart where have you allowed yourself to believe in a false gospel of works how are you doing at taking hold of his promises daily by faith are you waiting daily for the power from on high with expectation and authentic joy because a meal with jesus enacts his promises. If you have questions or you have comments, feel free to private message us or leave them down in the comment section. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that you've opened it up to us this morning with your truth. You've opened our hearts, you've opened our minds, you've opened our eyes and our ears to hear and see. Lord, we pray that it would go beyond that and you would integrate the truth you've spoken to us today into the depths of our inner person, that we might live from the promises by faith each day. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. There will be a blessing here, and we'll see you next week.
1: join me in this week's blessing
0: go now wait and work for the coming of the day of god in the wild places prepare a straight path for the lord leave lives of holiness and godliness strive to be found at peace and speak freely of the lord's comfort and promise may god our shepherd gather you in loving arms may christ jesus reconcile justice and peace within you and may the holy spirit baptize you in the life of God. We go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ, amen. You are dismissed.